Well, hello and welcome to what is the 161st episode of the Adoption and Fostering podcast with me, Sir Al Coates, and him, Adoption's answer to Judith Chalmers. Judith Chalmers? Yeah. Oh my God. You know, the the travel show. The travel oh. show. The travel. Oh, right. Oh, I see. Oh, I get it now. I was more going back to the fact that you called us the Adoption and Fostering podcast when we're not the Adoption and Fostering podcast, we're the A&F podcast. But, you know, pedantic. It's getting late. It's what? Five past eight? I don't know. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, I should be tucked up in my little bed by now. Anyways, you're Scott Casanova. You didn't even say your name. I Mr. know. Mr. Travel. Blimey, yeah, heck, man, Scott. Get a grip. Get, just stay still for a bit, please. Please, <laughs> please. That would be boring. That would be that boring. That would be boring. It, was a, it, be boring. it, it wasn't a, Well, you know yourself. It wasn't just a holiday. That's not what the only reason I went. But anyway. Oh, messages with you next to a donut. Him, me and uh, a donut. Well, me and a to cup be of fair, coffee. They were, they, were, they were delicious donuts and coffee. Me and two I do donuts. Like my, I do like me my Tim Hortons. Actually, donuts. to be fair, if they were going to sponsor us for the podcast, Tim Hortons, if there's any Tim Hortons officials listen, which is very unlikely, we very would unlikely. welcome donuts. Well, we would welcome well a- donuts. I went to a Tim Hortons just by chance. I was like on my way between two places and I thought I need a, like an hour where I can just sit and get some. And I went to a Tim Hortons. Yeah. And then, I mean, they're probably going to sue me, but I, I was just totally perplexed. It was like a soulless kind of box. Well, on can I just say, yeah, yeah, I think that the, the business model doesn't really translate to the UK market, nor does the freshness of their donuts. I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. Um, the UK ones aren't as nice as the Canadian well, ones. So. I literally was bankrupted on a donut and a cup of coffee. You know, I didn't get, <laughs> I was bankrupted. And you're talking to a man who got a gift, a Greg's gift card for Christmas. And that was like the high point of my Christmas gifts. One of my children got yeah. me a 20 pound gift voucher. Oh, um, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah for Greg's. Yeah, I love Greg's. I really am. do. Anyway, can we just rewind a little bit? You introduce yourself as Sir Alcos. Would you like to explain Sir Alcos? I I well, it because <laughs> let's face it, that's not come up at any time online at all this week, has it? <laughs> Honestly, Scott, if you knew the half of what's been going on, I have been. <laughs> Kicked around the entire northeast England, both online and offline. And um, no, so I I did this. In, I told you I did an interview. Maybe you yeah, were maybe yeah. you were on holiday. I did an interview with the BBC Millbank, which was so exciting yeah. to go into Millbank because it's like oh political, and there's lots of pictures of famous people. And uh, I was I, yeah. I'll be honest, I was looking to steal a BBC cup, but I couldn't find one. Um, and I did an interview about the cost of living and the impact on adoption of special gardening. I think we did we talk about that. I'm sure we did. Um, but I think we briefly talked about it. Yeah, but we didn't. I don't know if we talked about it on here. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it's all blurred in one. So I went there and it was really interesting. And actually, I really sort of tried to shift the conversation on special guardianship because I thought, actually, we're talking. And yeah, I mean, so that that's another story. I can talk about special guardian. I did some work with them last week, which is with some special guardians recently, which was just heart-wrenchingly complicated. Um, but mm. anyway, at the end, um, they noticed that I had an MB and I went, all right, yeah. And it was this young sort of uh, an apprentice, BBC apprentice. And they were just, they would sort of like keep me safe and said, at the end of it, they said, oh, do we do know that there's a, a fee for this? And I went, really, a fee? Um, don't tell my wife. Um, yeah, or should be not paying her, uh, not paying her television licence. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, and so I gave my details so that they would send me, I think it was £75. I did, and I did a couple of hours interviews and stuff. Oh, it was a, yeah, it was took quite a while. And it was also covered my cost because I had to get there and stuff. Yeah. Um, but the the letter came and uh, it said, Sir Al Coates. And um, I'm 
Paula came in and she whacked it on the desk while I was working. She went, she went, well, someone's building the role, aren't they? She was very dismissive. <laughs> so I, sent, I sent you a picture of it just because I thought I know that that would sting. Absolutely. Yeah. Oily or blood. Arise, Sorrel. Sorrel. Surreal. Actually, Whatever. I think it's yeah. got... It's got a, a je ne sais quoi, a little a ring to it. Well, I would be quite impressed yeah. with that. So um, anyway, what, what, what else has been happening that you've been kicked around the place? Come on. Oh, well, I did an event last week. I mean, I, I had a, I've had this really odd experience of just getting busier and busier and busier. And I knew last week into the beginning of this week was going to be just this bottleneck of work. And so um, I was really, con- but you sort of, when you're self-employed, like, I, like what I am, but, so I'm an independent social worker and I do lots of other things. So m- my kind of work life is really varied in, in that terms. It's a proper jigsaw. Um, and, but you often, you'll say, well, you know, anyone who's self-employed, you just say yes. You just, you don't, you don't kind of go, yeah, of course. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Busy. No. you just you say yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, but sometimes the timings are not great. So I had this week last week where I did five events. So I, I did something like 25 hours of training last week. It was just crazy. Um, but I went and I did this event in... <laughs> In Sunderland's second most haunted building, which was like, mm-hmm. which, uh, for, I couldn't quite get over that because, like, why would you bill yourself as the second most? Why? <laughs> it's like, you know, like I am, you know, Cramlington's uh, second best social worker. It's like, yeah. it's like, why would you say that? Um, and so I went, and um, and there was this, uh, there was a. Uh, it was a Masonic hall. It was fa- it was really interesting, and it was really generous of them to give the room, and they sort of they give it to this uh, a community group of for um, kinship carers, and they give it yeah. for free, and it was really it was lovely, and um, but it was you know it was a Masonic lodge. There was no windows, so, it was, so it's a slightly peculiar environment, right? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and it's of it's probably on ley lines from ye olde Sunderland, and under the ground is like there's, there's, like no one will go into the um, the basement, just like no one will go there, um, and I went, I yeah. I don't know about anyone who's ever done any training. I usually have a little bit of a moment beforehand where I go and have a quiet moment in the toilet. So I, I am, um, I sort of like, you get there, I worked out what the event was. I worked out who was there and I went up and I had it and there was no lock on the door. And I thought, that's really odd. It's like a sit down toilet and there's no lock on the door. Um, when I came downstairs and I went to the chap, I went, there's no, it's not like there's a lock being taken off. It's just, there's never yeah. been a lock on the door. And I thought, that's really odd. Um, I felt strangely vulnerable. Um, mm. <laughs> which was understandable. And he looked at me with death and he went, there's a ghost in the toilet. Oh, for God's sake. I went, so I was going, I'm not sure how that correlates to the fact we haven't the got lock. a lock. Yeah. Is it that the ghost, is it, it was the, is the history with the ghost in the lock? But anyway, it was a great event. But there's one thing that really struck me and, and there were fantastically generous, the people there and um, uh, I did my bestest. Um, but there was a, 80, a woman in her 80s and she was, she was a kinship carer to a child who was 11 with additional needs. And I, it just yeah. blew my mind to think, because my mum's 82. Yeah. Um, and I thought to myself, my goodness, so often, we, I, get, we, I don't know about you, but I get caught up in the adoption world and all of the challenges we face. Yeah. And then I get in the fostering world, which is sort of my bread and butter, my daily job. But then I thought, my goodness, mm. at 82, uh, yeah. I have a I have a thought in my head about what my life will look like, and there's not one bit of it has an 11 year old with additional needs in it. Mm. <laughs> Do yeah. you know what I mean? I'm not going to be I'm not going to be parenting, and I just thought, crikey, when it makes me think about the the realities of the care of you and the lack of resources, and I just it just so it was this just just the juxtaposition of these really odd sensational things. And what was odd was there was no projector. 
they had, they had sorry they had a projector but they had no screens so it was a floral print, oh yeah a floral print <laughs> wallpaper so it's just there's lots of really odd things going on there and there was like yeah. there was a so there was like a glass case next to where i was um presenting which had the like sunderland's oldest shoe in it was just really oh, odd okay. just, just, <laughs> i loved it yeah. i just it really i sort of fitted in really well actually i think on reflection. Yeah. yeah oddly i would imagine you would yeah yeah um anywho hmm. Interesting. I it was a, and yeah, I mean, you're right. The 82 year old me is not. I'll probably be pushing up days in a veneer casket, oh, to be sure. honest with you. So, no veneer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not going for any solid stuff. You know, just let it rot. MDF. Uh, yeah. I'll have worms crawling up my eyes. <laughs> well, that's turned very dark very quickly, Scott. <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. You'll be you'll be kicking along at that age, but it just really made me think about um, you know sometimes where I can sort of think oh God, it's hard work, then you go blimey that's not even scratching the surface for some yeah, people. I know. Yeah, and it's all community. Yeah, yeah, eighty twos. You know, is, <laughs> is some age to be parenting or caring for an eleven year old with additional needs, like you say. That's not yeah. that's not for the faint hearted at the best times, is it? Let's be honest. No. No, not at all, and and especially, and I thought as well, there was this odd juxtaposition as well of um, all of the stuff of modern life, which sometimes people who are a bit older are not necessarily that switched into, but just the changes that she'd seen in how you parent from her when she first parented, um, and it just felt like, blimey, this isn't just isn't fair, and it was odd because we were talking about that as a whole room about the complications of that, and the, um. And everyone was there saying, <coughs> oh, of course, we would we would never change what we've done. Um, but yeah, crikey, we're struggling. Um, yeah. you know, people, you know, people getting the you know, the calls that you get, you know, that the, the, the you know, people would be sat and the, the phones would ring because it was like, you know, people have to yeah. have the phones on. And it'd be people going out to school, you know, so people in their sixties yeah. and seventies going out to <laughs> speak to uh, and exactly so and you could see the palpable intake of breath in the room, people going, Oh yeah. my goodness. Mm-hmm. And you just think, Oh, that's crappy. Anyway, that's a yeah. really cheery thought, isn't it? So me and the ghost. Is, isn't it? Well, and the... I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, you've had a week. Um, and just before we go into, you know, your interview that's coming up. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had a week as well. Really, it's been a busy old time. Yeah. Yeah. For well, those that don't know. We're picking out your different suntan lotions. Uh, uh, sort of, oh, sort of that's, just that's just rude. That's just rude. No. Um, no, you know, because you know that FASD Hub Ireland opened yesterday what officially. Yes. So the helpline is now open for anybody living in <gasps> Ireland from anywhere in Ireland. Doesn't matter where you're from in Ireland, it's available all Ireland. Um, oh, is that controversial? No, no. It's just being accessible to, to everybody, really. Um, and we're um, just waiting on a, a direct UK phone number. So, obviously, that then people not from Northern Ireland can ring us. Um, so, yeah, that, that launched yesterday. Because we are in Ireland, which is a different country code. So, our phone numbers are very different. <laughs> so yeah, you yeah, can't no, just I- do... Yeah, yeah. Do you get me? Yeah, you don't do oh seven nine four nine to ring a mobile in you know Ireland. It's oh eight five oh eight six or oh eight seven oh, or oh eight three. I've got you. Uh, I did ring you yesterday about your tax. You did. Um, no, about your. That was today, wasn't it? Um, it yeah, was and it's, it's, all, it's all weird, isn't it? It's all very odd. Yeah, in, in that yeah. And you, but you rang it's my foreign. UK number because I've got a UK number still. But anyway, so yeah, no, so I didn't. The, the, I mean, yeah, she keep did. talking. I'm going to check that. 
yeah, I do. Um, so yeah, so the, so the hub opened uh, launched yesterday. We had um, some uh, dignitaries, um, so the equivalent of MPs and some senators, um, come along. Um, we had cake, of course. I made cake. You wanted me to post you one. It's not happening. They're all gone now because Jacob Rest ate the rest of them. But essentially, um, yeah, it's been months of hard work, funding from a Social Entrepreneurs Island, um, which is. Um, We've been taking part in their project, uh, their um, schemes since uh, last year. The Ideas Academy, and now with um, we pitched today actually for more funding as well. So um, hopefully we'll be you're able to continue. You're a big splash, but... aren't you, in the island? You're a big thing. <laughs> Do you know? It's I funny. Mean, I, I was saying this earlier, wasn't I? So, so before you get on, but imagine how big you could be if you didn't go on holiday. Oh, shut up! I <laughs> look just that's it now. And am I going on holiday this week? Next Maybe. week, I am going on holiday. Yeah, you are. I mean, six years. I know. And was I supposed to be coming? Uh, I have no idea. Finish off the <laughs> FSD story, and then we'll get on yeah. to our holiday story. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, Focus, so man. yeah. Focus. Anyway, I I just wanted to make people aware because we have had an increase it's... of listeners in Ireland, and we are going to be interviewing. Um, very soon actually some really prominent kind of oh, organizations yeah. in ireland really as well we're going to be talking about adoption in ireland fostering in ireland hopefully kinship care in ireland as well so it's uh, i'm really looking forward to that because we've we've got we've kind of been biding our time to do it but these are the organizations that um are going to hopefully have, um the, their kind of um services are going to feel um you know able to use uh, the FASD hub as well um, and like I say you know we've, today we uh, you know we opened it we went in this morning feeling impostery syndrome almost thinking well is this going to work and then you know 10 o'clock came the lines opened and the phone call started and it was like oh okay this is really a thing yeah. and was it like one of those know, telethons in the 80s where and, yeah, uh, pretty lines, much was this morning open yeah. someone cut a tear no. yeah now, exactly. and it was like bring, bring, bring. <laughs> yeah oh, um, you should have videoed it oh I know if, if we did if we hadn't if we hadn't had imposter syndrome we probably would have um but essentially yeah i mean it's for you know it's for signposting it's for um, peer support it's for you know all those kinds of things that we talk about within our community specific to fasd um and yeah so i'm just going to plug it but if you're in ireland you can call 065-670-3098 that's 065-670-3098 see how short that number is yeah, we'll um, put the, or we'll you put can that go in the to podcast. You, you yeah, me message me that, yeah, and I'll put it in the podcast. yeah, but yeah, our fasdhub.ie website. Fill in the web form, pop it to us, and we'll give you a call. I mean, I think it's probably worth us doing a full episode on it, to be honest with you, and really looking maybe. into it. And well, maybe not, yeah. but yeah, maybe we'll, I'll put it on the list. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> December yeah. then, when it's when it's been closed 20, down from lack of funding. No, I'm joking. Or, or scandal. <laughs> Oh, because you're just too busy on holiday. Can't, there's no one manning oh, the phone. shush. Why do you think we went for a web-based phone system so I can do it from my cruise? Good afternoon, <laughs> FPSD Hub. How can I help you? Yeah, if you could stop chinking the glasses, please. We're, I'm trying to talk. Um, oh, my <laughs> turn God. the seagulls down, please. Yeah. Um, anyway. uh, wonderful. Um, uh, yeah, I am going on holiday. I'm going to keep this really short. I'm going on holiday, which is really exciting. We were meant to go with you, but complicated lives. Um, uh Court, in, court injunctions, that kind of thing, have all sort of conspired. Lack of, payment not... on in, lack of payment on invoices from the adoption and fostering podcast for my salary. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and means that it's not. It's not going. It's just not going to fly. So actually, right, yep. I'm slightly freaked out because it's going to be me and Paula and one child. 
I know. <laughs> you know when you get I'm... to that stage, it's like, okay, so... we're nearly there. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. We're nearly well, there. Do you know one what? And I, I, I say this really carefully. This is the one child who's probably, of all of my children, is the one that's just chilled mm-hmm. and happy and content. And so I think I might have some sort of breakdown. Yeah. I'll just I'm so like for years I've been on adrenaline um, and now this, yeah. it's good so if you probably uh, I go on the fifth so if you buy about the seventh there'll be a multimedia crisis <laughs> I will have started a Twitter storm by <laughs> you know it's funny because Trace said to me how are you how are you feeling about not speaking to Al for a week I went <laughs> I said give it 24 40 hours <laughs> Oh, I'm really bad. I'm, I crash. I will. <laughs> I can't. I can't even imagine you not having your laptop open. Oh, I'm taking my laptop. Well, um, we know that clearly. But I have got some plans. I actually, I've already got some. I've got some things I'm going to build in my head. Um, I've got a plan oh. to do to maybe yeah. do a survey and write a report. But <laughs> that's terrible. Don't uh, tell see. Paula. That's not fair. That's not fair on the good lady. See and the youngest child. The she who shall not be named. Mm. Um. Yeah, but not worries. Anyway, we're talking loads. And today yeah. we, um, you haven't had time to listen because you are in the post-holiday well, busyness. And also you didn't send it to me and I was too busy launching the hub. But yeah, anyway, go on, crack right, on. So a few weeks ago, um, sorry, the beginning of the year, maybe January, I spoke to, I went to the Maintaining Family Links um, uh, task group, which is part of the adoption, the National Adoption Strategy Board. Which was fantastic, and um, was just there was uh, what was really interesting is to see that there's actual practice. People are amending practice. So, um, a social worker Vicky Swift, who's part of the National Adoption Steering Group, um, strategy group, um, anyway, words. Um, she uh, was running uh, is kind of the project lead on a, a letter swap, which is a digital contact <coughs> service. And I said, I gave her a message, and I said, look, I'd love you to come on and just share what you're doing, what the plans are. They're in the middle of a pilot. So she came on and um, uh, we chatted through that really. And it was fantastic actually, because it just sense, feels like it's been promised for so long, but actually it's just really yeah. close. Um, so don't want to really preempt what she says. Uh, it was really good. Uh, there was a few, I was a bit dim because I thought, I didn't even know there was a strategy board. I know adoption, uh, Sarah Jahal was in charge, but I didn't realize there was yeah. an actual team of people doing stuff. I just thought it was like an admin team. So that was right. really good. Um, I got my dates a bit confused about the trial and when it starts and doesn't start. But other than that, um, I encourage people to listen because I think it is genuinely quite exciting to talk about, you know, things like art box, being able to swap like like stuff like kids' paintings and drawings, videos. Yeah. Yes. All really done quite sensibly and carefully and considered, but also linked with social work interventions. Anyway, we'll let the interview speak for itself. I feel like we've mm-hmm. prattled on for ages, 20 minutes intro to you that. Have. You have I prattled have. on forever, yeah. I've got, there's so many things happened to me in the last 10 days, Scott, I really need to, and some of it can only be shared in the upcoming, in the autumn uh, oh, the tour, adoption, tour. the tour, yeah, because there's some of that stuff is pretty dark, yeah, I've had some interesting yeah. moments this last few weeks, but anyway, I'm going to crack on and let you get on, but Scott, thank you so much, I hope you enjoy the interview with uh, Vicky Swift, and um, I shall speak to you soon. You will, enjoy your holly bobs. On Jovi. And Jovi. Well, today I am really pleased to be speaking to Vicky Swift. And Vicky is a social worker who is seconded onto the National Adoption Strategy Team from Adoption Merseyside. So, hello, Vicky. 
Hello, hello. Are you okay, Sal? <laughs> I'm really well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's Friday, as we just kind of chatted about before, and been really busy the past few weeks, which I'll talk to you all about. Um, oh. But yeah, I'm good, thank you. That Friday feeling is just, oh, if you could sell it, it would be amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, we were just chatting beforehand, and um, we were talking a, a little bit about, you know, your experience and stuff. So really... Is it okay to start at the beginning and say, so like, what drew you into social work? What drew you into adoption work? How, you know, and then we'll get into the, the whole stuff around, you know, digital contact and stuff, but and the digital letterbox, all that stuff. Start okay, beginning. yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, so I, I, I came into social work um, because I actually threw, um, I used to have a job and through my job, um, it's always good to have a job, isn't it? Um, through <laughs> my job, I worked um, on the Prince's Trust as a mentor and I worked with young people who were either had children's social care involvement or maybe, you know, some level of universal services. And I really, I loved it. I love working with the young, I was, you know, kind of um, a lot younger myself because I've been qualified for over 10 years now. So it was great. It really sparked my interest. So I started to look into what I could do in this area and, and social work came up. So that's how I trained and became a social worker. So I went into work for a local authority as a looked after children's social worker. And then there was a reorganization and I then went working um, for child protection. So I wanted to continue to do um, court work, to work with families and children um, to prevent um, going to court if that was possible. And that really was what I wanted to learn about, where I, right. the space that I wanted to be in. Um, and then I saw an advertisement within my local authority for a job in the adoption um, agency that, um, well, the adoption team at that time, because we weren't regional adoption agencies. Um, and um, I went into the team and I worked on adoption support and I worked also on um, and I worked with recruitment and assessment and all the preparation training. Um, and I worked with the local authority doing that for a period of time. And then we were regionalised. And as you know, the regionalisation of adoption agencies took a little while. So I think I had a baby in between them being told that do. they needed to be. <laughs> yeah, as you do. And I remember coming back from returning to leave and I said, oh, we're still not a regional adoption agency. But then it happened. And I went into adoption in Merseyside. Uh, I worked because it was all split the services then. So I worked for recruitment and assessment. And then I became the deputy manager of the recruitment and assessment. And whilst I was there, I did a um, kind of a strategic and organisational management qualification and it involved um, an element of project management. And then I saw the letter swap job um, secondment come up for the national team. And I really um, obviously followed um, Beth Neal's work and all the UEA yep. work and Julie Young's work and all the fantastic stuff they've done because that's really relevant um, to your role when you're an adoption social worker. And I saw it and I thought, I really, I'm really interested in that. Um, I really want to be involved in, in something like that. Um, so I went for the job and here I am. <laughs> in... I, 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 when we were talking beforehand, you mentioned the National Adoption Strategy Team. And I thought, mm -hmm. I don't even know who they are. And I thought, surely I should know who they are. And I sort of, I'm having to question myself. Uh, who is the National Adoption Strategy Team? Where, who is Who organises it? Where does it sit? Okay, so Sarah Jahal is right. the national strategic lead and the right. national adoption strategy team sits and well works with all of the regional adoption agencies in England. Um, and we have just this week had a regional adoption agency and voluntary adoption agency joint 
meeting with with leaders and and all kind of colleagues and then we had our regional adoption agency leaders meeting which i attend as well just to kind of um connect with colleagues and 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 listen to what what's going on in their agencies and um yeah so that's where they sit and there's lots of different strategic priorities within our team so we've got um Strategic priority one, two, three, and, and four, which is the maintaining relationships work stream, which obviously you sit yeah. upon that working group and that board. Um, and that is what I will also be being involved with around the project management of those different um, elements of work going on. I, I mean, that's in, interesting that I didn't, well, I may be showing myself to be a bit dim um, in that I I knew so Sarah Johal had that role, but I hadn't realised there was an actual team I didn't realise oh, yeah, there was sure. people working in that. Mm. I knew that there was there was admin people, but it seems like there's not actually you're not admin. You're something totally different. Yeah, no, I'd say the team's grown um, quite a lot since I came in June last year. So that's when I started with the the team, and we've got project managers that work on the other areas of work. So the child's journey, and we've got adoption support, and we've got recruitment, um, and we've also got. Um, a um, birth parent and adopted adults reference group and we've got um, an individual who supports and leads on all that area we've got marketing um, which sits around the recruitment stuff and we've got um, a voice and influence um, lead now they came in January so there's there's lots of kind of pockets of yeah. our team um, and we've got um, another practitioner that seconded looking at the matching element of it as well so yeah, I mean, now. yeah. I mean, that sounds really. Um, there's a lot going on there, isn't there? So, can you tell me about yeah. the specific element? Because I know you're the project manager and the project lead on a couple of different things in terms of digital contact. I heard you speak at one of the um, subgroups, uh, the maintaining family links group, and I just thought we've sort of had, we've been we've had this idea of digital contact sort of like a carrot mm. dangled just out of reach for so long, and it's mm. been trialed in different places. Um, I think like in ARC Adoption Northeast, they've got their own system and we've not had, we we just don't seem to be there yet. So are we getting closer? What 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 are the teams? What are, Tell me a bit about the nuts and bolts of so, all that. So LetterSwap is a project that's going to run um, from August 22 till August 23. So there's exchanges happening right now. And the concept of it is that, um, for the letter swap, I know you mentioned Artbox, um, but for letter swap, it is between adopter and birth family relatives at the minute. And on the system now, you can exchange either written documents or messages or images. And then in May onwards, we'll have video messaging and voice notes, which is a very different way of communicating potentially yeah. for some people, huge. Um, yeah. And we're looking at that now. Um, and what we're finding is... LetterSwap is a great tool um, if both parties are involved in it and they are open to looking at maybe more meaningful exchanges and building that relationship between those two sides. Um, equally, if they like to keep it the standardised exchange that's agreed, you know, once or twice a year, it's still, they find it really great because it's really safe, secure, managed, um, you know what's been read, what's been sent. We're finding that um, things are processed a lot faster rather than having the post yep. and then waiting for the, you know, post adoption support worker to kind of um, send all letters on. But there are families that still want to 
understandably have those handwritten letters, those really, really yeah. important pieces of information that they exchange together as, as, as those two families. So um, what I would say about the prototype is um, it is a great way um, of exchanging information if that works for you and your family. What we're finding is, so we're working with one adoption West Yorkshire, one adoption Northern Humber, one adoption South Yorkshire, adoption at heart and adoption counts who were great on, on your podcast and they've done so much work around this yeah. um, area. And actually um, agencies that are a bit further on in the way that they use communication, so they might already use email, for example, and they might right. already exchange voice notes and videos, that maybe that's the system might not be as helpful to them or they may not see as much different elements of what they've already got in-house at the minute, whereas there's some teams that are still using paper files and they find the element of this kind of exchange um, really helpful because it's a, a new kind of way of working um, Can I, and also sorry go on no, I, was yeah. say, um, I was just thinking on the practical stuff because the idea of uh, sending digital messages is just great because it feels like the immediacy uh, one of the bugbears of the so that removes some of that you know like that letter arrives someone has to deal with it has to then hmm. look at it and then send off is there still people who are looking at what is being transferred? Is there still like them being, what's the word, censored, I suppose is the word? Yeah, I mean, there's some agencies have, so there's in the system, there's agency check. I think that's what you're, when the stuff's read, essentially, yeah. and whether it's okay to send on or not. Yeah, there's a function for having an agency check in there. Um and some agents, everyone operates differently, surprise, right. surprise. So some agencies check everything. Some may check, you know, certain individual families. Um, some don't check any at all. So as, what I do know from some of the families that we're working with on letter swap is that some things are checked and some things aren't. So, but there's that option, there's that flexibility. So, I mean, I guess that would question, maybe that's, in terms of the decision beforehand in relation to maybe a risk assessment, what is there a concern? Is there, a, And is that then function going to be in place for sort of like the digital images that people potentially can send? Yeah, so it's within their agreement um, that they originally kind of signed and whether images can be shared and, and, and whether or not. And it, the system wipes all of them, the data that's kind of attached to photos and things like that. You know, when you take a photo, you can see where it's been taken and right. what area it was and things like that. So the system wipes everything, um, but you can download images from from the letter swap site. And obviously that's within the agreements of the families if that is what they're exchanging. I mean, that sounds like a, but a lot of people may be listening, well, people may be listening and thinking, oh, that just feels so much easier than, because it seems like an outdated model of communication in a letter. A lot of, I mean, like you say, some people, like that but most people are pretty can we just crack off an email and just communicate really effectively it sort of take and it just removes an additional barrier um is that is that what you're finding um i know you're not at a trial yet but you've must have have you been doing mini trials 
Yeah, I mean, it is live now. The regional adoption agencies involved in the project are testing the prototype. So exchanges are being sent using the system um, from the people who they've recruited to the project, which is down to all of the hard work because um, the project's in addition to what they're doing already. And, the you know, there's no recording element in the system yet. That's May onwards. So the duplicating work. Um, so just a big thank you really to them as well because they're working really hard. Um so sorry, I've gone off tangent and not answered your question it's, that you asked that's me. Absolutely fine. That's fine. Well, it was just in terms of um, what what are families, what's the initial feedback again from oh. families? Yeah, so we're working with the UEA, um, the University of East Anglia, and they are they are doing um, all the data collection on that. And what we're finding is is that. There are a few um, families that have started to use the system a little bit differently outside of their agreements. So we've got um, a family who are exchanging more regularly um, outside of what they would have maybe had only once or twice a year, um, which is, 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 is great because that's what we hoped, isn't it, for a digital system, that we can make yeah. it more less intense, you know, more fluid, um, starting to build those relationships for when children eventually, you know, when they start to seek out um, information or wanting to know more, or even if they want to meet up with with birth family and, and, and relatives and et cetera. So that's what we hoped for a digital system. And that's what all the research that kind of went before and is during and, and, and within this, why we've got a digital product was hoping to achieve. And there are some families that that is, starting to look even within the short time of, of the project that actually a digital system um such as letter swap is supporting them with so that's great actually it's, it's just really good um and i the logistics of it is that often people will already have an account with link maker so is it sort of uh wanting to get a so people who you know they they become approved they get an account with link and is it just sort of like this fluid continuity of service and a familiar system that sort of, that is that what we're looking for so so obviously i work quite closely with Linkmaker because they've developed letter swap and that is one of the um kind of yeah essentially is what can happen is if you've got a Linkmaker account then you don't need to kind of create a new login for letter swap you can just put your details in and it it creates the account for you and you can get in um, and, and complete your exchanges on there. So, yeah, you're right with that kind of fluidity of service use. And you mentioned um, the art box as well. So you're, that's that I'm not sure what that even means. So you can um, I can guess, but I'm not going to even try. No, it's fine. So uh, Artbox have got already created, haven't they, the life story work stuff that they've got, which is a digital kind of life story work. And Artbox is really different from letter swap in the sense of that it is an app and i'd say that it's um it's for the child so whereas letter swap is from at the, at the minute and there's clearly going to be developments completed um after august but at the minute it's very much a doctor to birth family relative um whereas artbox is an app and it's for a child and there's different people who can um, support with that and manage the exchanges whether that's adoptive parent or someone in the letter um box team or or both um and the idea is very similar in that exchanges get sent through the system that Artbox have created um, and it is being trialed. Um, One Adoption West Yorkshire are doing that and I caught up with the project manager from 
that team yesterday to say, oh, can I have an update where it's up from? Because I'm going to speak to Al and Scott, but obviously Scott's not here. Um, and they're, they're not up to the point yet of having families recruited onto that. Um, but it is kind of being tested as well because it's, you know, what, what works for one agency might not work for the other. And it's good to have different products out there that, that there's choice. Hmm. I mean, this feels like a... I mean, it feels long overdue, really, doesn't it? I mean, I, I know you've got your own personal, like, kind of hook into this world of adoption. Um, and what have been your reflections prior... Uh, that, that's your personal stuff, which I'm... And if you feel comfortable to share, please yeah, do. Yeah, sure. Um, but then after that, you've got your own professional experience working in post-adoption. And so what has been the drive for you to get involved in this and sort of take up this... What, what is actually quite a huge shift potentially in adoption contact yeah it is okay so a bit personal so my mum and my auntie are adopted and that was in the 50s and I don't know my birth maternal side at all my dad's side huge family um but my um maternal side is quite small and um, my auntie didn't have children so my mum did you know siblings etc but and in, in terms of what motivated me, um, I guess maybe unconsciously when I first went into adoption, that might have been um, something that played a part of that. But um, hearing hearing um, adopted adults, hearing birth family relatives, listening to what they're so courageously um, putting you know, out there to say that, um, yes, I may or may not have had a great experience in adoption, but what hasn't worked for me is the fact that I have missing parts of my identity. I might have come into care, for example, um, and live with my siblings, live with my siblings in foster care, and then we were all adopted into different placements, and I don't have any, I don't have any relationship with them. I've lost touch. And, you know, you've, we've got what I'd say um, a cohort of, of, of young adopted adults, you know, starting in the 20s, who have had relatively closed adoptions that are speaking out and they're telling us that it, it didn't work for them. Yeah. This system of, of letterbox once or twice a year didn't help them and didn't support them in the area of their identity or keeping connections with really important people in their lives that as siblings or, you know, birth mum, birth dad, auntie, uncle, grandma, granddad. And what really, really kind of struck me was that's not good enough. As a, as a social worker and as someone who we are advocating for the best outcomes for children, um, that's not good enough and we need to work towards trying to to change that really because they're telling us that it needs to change and we need to listen and I guess that's why I'm really passionate about it um that's why I really want to to work with all of these wonderful people you know academics and adopted adults and birth family relatives and social workers and leaders because it's something that yes it's huge yes it will be difficult you know the judiciary as well um which yeah. is something that you know because we've got amazing leadership from sarah and we're linking in with um beth neil from the uea and equally and um, we've got colleagues in new south wales at the university of sydney and there's so much um going on um that i'm really hopeful for that change um and there's such energy 
from the regional adoption agencies that I've visited to make those changes. But I'm not naive. There are resource implications. There are all that kind of political stuff that goes on. There's the legislation, which doesn't match up with what we're trying to do. But I think it's about um, making changes bottom up and let's hope that top down help as well. That's yeah. where I'm coming from. No, I mean, that's really interesting because you talked about resources there. And I, surely this is as much as you're going to pay for the service. But actually, some local, some RAAs are dealing with thousands of letters, aren't they? Because it's historic. Exactly. It's it, And, um, you know, the so, what are people telling you about the current system? What have people told you? What, you know, what are they saying? I mean, the idea of letter swap or a digital system is that instead of having your coordinators and your social workers or support workers managing those emails, paper documents, that actually the system supports you with that. So there's less need to have um, the kind of processy part of it. And actually they can support families, birth family relatives, um, which is what they do anyway, on top of doing all that other stuff, but have more time to dedicate to that potentially with a digital system. It's a, ma it's a huge mix across all agencies and the way that regional adoption agencies are set up is very different. So you've got some that are harmonised, that are all work under one regional adoption agency umbrella. You've got some that um, are partnership models who just work with the authorities and actually the, the contact teams um, sit within still their own individual local authorities and some we work with um, only, have only really met each other because of of letter swap um of being in that same kind of room and and you know discussing which is which is surprising and if you're a regional adoption agency you'd hope for eventually that kind of connection with all of your teams um and i guess going back to your point around what are they saying about the the system um it's tough. They do. They have lots. There's a lot of concern about, well, if we do start to increase exchanges, you know, how, how can we how can we cope with that demand? Because our adoption support service is just so strange as it is. Yeah. Um, and that's a real concern um, and, and the reality of, of the situation. And what we're trying to do between in the maintaining relationships work is to support um, practitioners and uh, with knowledge really and 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 you know confidence in being able to um focus some energies in in different areas and if they do have a digital product then actually will that allow and alleviate some time um from admin and and to be able to do that and i guess that's something that we're going to work together with and we definitely don't have all the answers i don't think anybody does um but i'm really excited to see where yeah. the work will go I mean, it sure. feels like I mean, it feels really encouraging to see that there's, we're actually getting to a like a, a jump-off point where things are starting to happen, um, mm. and obviously there's a big piece of work, isn't it, getting everyone onto the system? That's because you you've got people who like you know I think of myself who's been adopt an adopter now for well donkey's years, um, which <laughs> is <laughs> a long time. Um, but <laughs> then you get you know you can start with the current families, but then you, if you start to work your way back, it could be a while before this gets down to people who maybe adopted 5, 10, 15 years ago. Is there a time scale on rolling it out? Well, um, this is another thing. So the project is for 12 months. It's from August 22 to August 23. And I know in the care review, it talked about it being rolled out um, across 
you know, right. England. But clearly there's resource implications for that because it needs to be purchased. We're in conversations with Linkmaker now to see what happens after August. Um, and I guess they ha- they're having their own internal conversations about, well, what does happen? You know, when is it that we see this um, system as finished? Um, and that all depends on the feedback, really, over the next um you know, six months and then the UEA are doing the evaluation of it um, with yeah. the um, voices of, of the birth family relatives that have used it and, and the adopters mm. um, and equally the professionals involved as well. Um, so it's a question mark, I guess, is the answer to that um, at the minute because um, the, the the government DFE haven't said, okay, well, we'll pay for it for all of the retail adoption yeah, needs in England, frankly. basically. You know, that's <laughs> where we are. Um so and and do do all of the regional adoption agencies want it? I don't know. Um and I guess that's a conversation for a bit further down the line, but we are in those conversations and, and we'll have maybe an answer um a bit later in the year. I mean there's lots of questions there and I've thought of a few but no probably not I was thinking in it also in terms that you're you're linking yourself to a commercial company um and i'm sure that uh, you know i don't want to draw you onto the rocks of commercial discussions you're having um but that there's a potential there isn't it that you to be so aligned well what if they change their mind what if they go bust what if they then you've built up a fantastic system you don't there is no answer to that question is that i'm not i don't want to no i totally (laughs) agree there's you know funnily enough at the regional adoption agencies um the leaders meeting yesterday we had a an archivist um and that's what they're doing they're looking at um it's nearly 100 years since the law was passed around keeping records for 100 years so they're going around looking at what's been digitalized and looking at what's still paper that was one of the things that i thought well actually how can you kind of guarantee any system for 100 years that's digital um, although Linkmaker, yeah. I've assured, uh, in terms of all the kind of when we were doing all the startup stuff, that yes, information's kept for 100 years and it'll be safe. And yeah, I guess I, it's about, yeah, thinking about that too. Well, and, and I think that's because it is it's a, a, an odd, because the duty sort of remains with the local authority, but then they've not necessarily got the levers to pull. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, yeah, I'm, we're prob- I'm probably getting way above my pay grade, but I do think it, it is interesting in terms of the sustainability of a system but uh, the, but that is all set against the the reality that if we don't if we don't modernize this aspect of maintaining family links mm. I, I i sort of see it in terms of are we at, in danger of fundamentally flooring any future adoption kind of system mm. are we gonna and, and that is a do you see that I see contact as in in terms of it being the the make or break issue for the future. Would you agree with that, or do you see that that I'm maybe overstating that for purposes of a podcast? In in the <laughs> sense of when you say the make or break, do you mean in the sense of the future of adoption? Are yeah, we, yeah. I mean, I think that there's a real a real sense. Um, I I get that. Um, it needs to move on from potentially the ways that we may have practiced in the future, because I think 
as you know, all research kind of continues and goes on, you know, we had the narrative, didn't we, of it was all a fresh start. Um, I know you said you've been an adoptive of donkey's years, and then <laughs> I'm don't we I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you're old or anything like that. You know, I'm <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um oh. but your training would be very different, wouldn't it? to what we now have. Yeah. And I know one of the strategic priorities is recruitment and, and preparation training and re-looking at that again, that's going on with the National Adoption Strategy Team and, and regional adoption agencies in England. So it's very different. So I think the more that you learn and you move on, and as you go through that process, it's all about changing um, and changing the way that maybe you work based upon that new information. And I think this area is one of those things that we need to listen to the people who have experienced those services. And as our roles are to, you know, support children, um, that we need to move our practice in line with that, if that makes sense, for that to be, continue to be something that, um, is a good thing for children and um, because adoption does have really good outcomes in terms of all the research um, you know it, it it does have good outcomes for children so it is something that will always be there but clearly there's other um ways children can be kept within families and that should be the case if it is yeah. um, a, a possibility but actually what we're saying is is that yes adoption um can support children however this element of them not having, you know, losing family members and, and why 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 do they need to lose mm. people who do love them? And clearly there's always the area of, yes, it needs to be assessed and yes, um, you know, we need to be aware of not re-traumatising children by, by maintaining those links. But in the majority of cases, um, research is telling us that that isn't the case and that actually children benefit from having these relationships in their life and it even it cements and secures an adoptive family's relationship more than it would if they didn't have those relationships yeah. so let's listen to that and let's try to think about how we can translate that into our practice yeah i, I mean i think it's a really there's so much nuance around the whole conversation that is maybe it, it's it's quite a polarizing issue if you go on social media and i understand why and it is. um but, uh, and I think one of the challenges I find personally is that I often want to give people really explicit explanation of why some children shouldn't um, have contact or shouldn't, you know, or should have only letterbox mm. contact. Or, but there's mm. really legit. And I think that sometimes we're, like you say, I'm happy for the number of the right children to, to be adopted is reduced mm. to the bare minimum. Absolutely. Mm. But for those children, links may need to be maintained. Um because I, th I, th I don't think anyone's saying, oh, we need we need more adoptions. No one's saying that, are they? No, I hope not. <laughs> no, because we, we know the best place for children is with the, with yeah. the family, isn't it? With the birth family, because we know all about that primal wound even, the trauma of just even being taken away from that, you know, into foster care. And as much as, the you know, there's so much great stuff out there, isn't there, around transitioning children, such as the UEA transitions model and things like that, that, you know, there's great work that goes in that you you can't ever undo that trauma in a way and, and you can have a wonderful adoptive family that's really supportive um that really helps reparent and therapeutic parenting to help heal heal children mm. from the reasons why they came to be adopted but actually what what you can't 
replace ever or or maybe that's not the right word but you can't support with therapeutic interventions or therapeutic parenting is that um identity that is 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 lost um at that point and does a letter once or twice a year really give you any idea of of your identity before and 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 also you know time changes people change you know people's situations change um I had the privilege of of doing a conference on it was um Tuesday we did it for Social Work England all on maintaining relationships and we were sat with um adopted there was we did it like a hybrid and I sat with one birth mum and and you know her life's totally changed and yeah. and you you can't um you can't not relook at those those arrangements because people's lives move on things change and that's another thing that we're going to be working on um on the maintaining relationship stuff is with the family rights group so they're looking at the birth family mapping um and they're looking at all kind of it's not just um i'm just gonna get it's not just about it's about advice peer-to-peer support therapeutic interventions and it's also for birth families in england who whose children have been at are have been or are at risk of being adopted and really looking at what that support looks like, which is really important to see where the gaps are. Um, and whilst I'm on family rights group, they've also going to look at the lifelong links model. Um, and the one that works with children who are in the care of the local authority to um, get links with the, with the families that may have lost touch with not just families, but maybe neighbors. It might be a friend, family friend. It could be a teaching assistant, yeah. someone who's really close and impacted their life and is, important to them but they're looking at adapting that and um, to adoption and then in phase two i think it's 2024 they're looking at piloting that with, with 10 families from regional adoption agencies or voluntary adoption agencies that are the children have been adopted and within those families that would like to to get those links so there's you know there's really good stuff going on that could also complement a digital system sorry i've kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent no but i think that reflects the conversation that that people are really keen to have i i think um like i look at my children i look at other children you see them as little children who don't those questions of identity are not necessarily there as little children Mm -hmm. and so that the onus or the or the significance of it is not sometimes seen by parents adoptive parents so they're going well mm-hmm. you know they they're not interested in a letter but then as soon as children get to adolescence and how they feel about their biological parents becomes much more pronounced and it trying to make sense of who they are and where they fit in the world and all those kind of questions why am i like my mum? i like their dad becomes so much more important and that's we feel like we the opportunity to review it's just it seems essential someone to come in and you know, like you say, a three-year-old that is terrified of a parent at three, at 13 goes, well, it's not third. <laughs> I'm not that anymore. I'm 15, 16. That, so the dynamics have just completely altered. And, and so is there, I mean, I guess it's not in the, within the digital system, but are, are you looking as part of the wide strategy about reviewing and how we formalise that? Potentially. And I mean, you know, when you think about kind of an ideal world, don't you, there, whereas <laughs> it would, you know, if we had this ideal world with kind of maybe not even infinite resources, but just a little bit more resources that 
those would be reviewed, you know, and, and what I would say is those conversations are on are going on with those regional adoption agency leads who, you know, answer to their local, well, or, you know, work with, maybe not answer to is the wrong word, but work with the local authority boards and all the budgets. And there was, you know, a suggestion of targeted reviews at certain ages of children and maybe, you know, that middle childhood age where you just talked about with your children around those questions of who am I and do I look like my birth mum or birth dad or, you know, even my brother who's, you know, in long-term foster care or sister who's adopted into another family. And they're looking at, there's a, you know, that's just an idea, you know, can we do targeted reviews rather than say, and I think this is the other thing as well, it's all about you know, we love a good process in social work, don't we? You know, oh, Al, we love it. We love it. We love a good Ooh. process. We we love a good form. And I think that's what we need to kind of try and move away from. It's not about, okay, how are we going to do this? A review at three, six, 12 years. You know, it's about what works for the families that have come to us as an adoption agency. And actually, can we be flexible in the way that we look at reviews or can we hold, I don't know, thinking out loud, you know, um, open, you know, yeah. nights where people can pop on even online and go, do you know what, they've gone to bed and I'm just wondering about this, what do you think? And, you know, that that kind of support, flexible support, rather than it be this really kind of process. Because if we think about the letterbox system we've got at the minute, that's very process-led, isn't it? That once or twice a year or whatever it is agreed. Um, and it's about individualised and that's tricky. Um, yeah, tricky yeah. to achieve. Yeah, I mean, I, I um, yeah, I, I still, I'm slightly, I can't get over the fact that I wasn't allowed to get a named individual at the at my letterbox team, which just seemed, and I remember thinking to myself, yeah. but I even get Jude is the person who deals with octopus energy with me, and right, they're, yeah. it, 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 I mean, like it's Jude, and Jude emails yeah. me, and he goes, that's a national power agency, but they understand the importance of personal relationships, and then. Um, I did. I did say, "Can you give me an in-person event?" No, just send it to the box team. And is that maybe? Is that indicative of maybe where it's got histo its historic roots are in this kind of this bureaucratic maybe box ticking? And we're trying to. You, you talked about before we set record. You're talking about you know the theories of change. Uh, how are mm. we changing the system? How are you? How are you in? Because it's more than just like the the nuts and bolts, the forms, isn't it? It's a culture. Uh -huh, is that yeah, stuff? Yeah. How the heck are you going to do that, Vicky? Come on, Vicky. Ooh, our, our hopes not all you. me. <laughs> it's not all me. It's everybody. The culture is everybody, isn't it? I would completely agree. I think we've got, like I've said, great practice, great understanding. I think it needs to be a whole systems change. So we're talking with the maintaining relationships stuff. Um, we're looking at involving, um, you know, Children's social workers, IROs, the judiciary, CAFCAS, um, you know, not just regional adoption agency social workers who kind of live this work. They live that trauma lens. They understand around, you know, early life experiences, the impact of what that is. Um, they understand around the identity. It's getting to the other areas of systems, of that systems change um, and listening to you know, other countries, what's their practice like, not just completely focusing on our system in in England or, you know, the UK, working with Wales because they've got their own um, regional agencies. And it's about um, trying to look at hearts and minds and and, and winning hearts and minds and, 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 and providing people with the understanding 
empowering practitioners with knowledge and tools so they feel really skilled when talking about this because I think coming from a you know practitioner point of view we were this is just we're implementing the UEA transitions model and at the beginning at every matching meeting um, and meeting with foster carers and people you know in those you know years ago would say goodbye wouldn't they to children who moved on to adoption and mm. you know we wouldn't want to unsettle the children by getting in contact with them and there'd be, be nothing really but now we know that you don't want to break relationships why would you want what's wrong with people loving children yeah. um there's nothing is it and there's golden threads of relationship and all that great work that that's been you know research that's been done and obviously and and it was about really really training it was about training support it was about looking at looking at getting into the fostering teams and with the local authorities that that we work with to raise awareness and understanding and I think when you do that people are confident with 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 the way that they put that across to if anybody has got a question about something so, you know, we've got some some great practice going on in regional adoption agencies. You know, you know, Adoption Council have been doing this for a good couple of years, isn't it? Yeah. We've got, we heard from on Monday, Tuesday, Adoption West and how they um, work with birth family relatives and, and adopters. And we heard from some adopters that do that direct contact. So there is some really great stuff going on. Mm. I think and um, what's good about having the National Adoption Strategy Team is that we've got that... Um, ability to be able to find out what's going on rather than having 300 non-local local authorities all yeah. over England it's about bringing it all together seeing what's working and then supporting people who may not be as far on their journey with bringing them along on the way I mean it's fantastic and um I'm really excited I am also it is odd because I, I being where we are you know Scott and I we lots of people sort of send their stories or they sort of reflect their stories to us and i'm just conscious that even though there's there's people who've obviously had even recently i've heard of a, you know someone i know who's had a terrible experience through contact you know where actually there was a the reasons these children were brought into the care system and adopted was because actually those the the, pers- the people the family the whole community around that those children were just at very best not able and at worst mm. malicious and so for some children this is just never going to be on the option and sorry never going to be on the table it's not an option mixing my metaphors there um but it feels like that this this has to be better even just the asking the questions which is what you're doing say can we do this better seems to be a really progressive step forwards so maybe a last question where do you see this in you'll still be working you you'll have to you'll have got sarah jahal's job in 10 years' time, you'll be in charge of everything. Um, she, Sarah's looking over her shoulder now. She's thinking, oh, that Vicky. Um, I don't when, think so. She's brilliant, Sarah. She's she fantastic. is brilliant. Um, yeah. uh, 10 years from now, what would be your, what would be the perfect outcome from all of this work? Perfect outcome with no question mark over resources. Oh, don't I, be in, like that. In in ten year <laughs> in ten years time in an ideal world, which unfortunately we don't live in, I would love to see the, a flexible approach. So that example that you've just given, you know, completely isn't right for every yeah. child. And I think, as I mentioned before, you know, it's not um, right for everybody. 
such as a letter swap or a digital system or art box might not be right for everybody, but that there's options and there's flexibility so that actually, yes, let's maybe start by using a digital system or handwritten, if that's what you want to do, you want to send your um, child that's been adopted a handwritten letter and you would like to receive that because you know your child's touched that paper, that flexibility around that. But I would love to see the English system move on so that actually we're getting to a point where people stop needing to use a system via um, an agency or, you know, a regional adoption agency. And actually they're um, supported and everyone's supported. Birth family relatives have got the right support out there um, because, you know, we work with PAC UK on the um, Let's Swap project supporting birth parents as well. I should mention that. Um and you know we've got but we've got the right support in the right place at the right time for people who need it and that we can support families to move on from just sending a letter or a message and actually um there is a more fluid relaxed safe and supported way for people to have some level of relationship whatever that right what whatever is right for their family whether that's meeting up once a year or whether that's, you know, adult, just adults meeting at the beginning, birth family relatives and, and adopted parents or, yeah. or or parent at the beginning and then building on that because their children will grow up and they will want to know who the birth family members are and um, they will look for them on the internet that isn't going anywhere. So I think we need to also <laughs> move forward with that. So that's what I'd like to see if we, in ideal, in 10 years' time, a more flexible, open approach um, less risk averse um, and not 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 assuming risk, but let's assess it and make sensible decisions rather than just blanket ones at really painful times in people's lives. With, yeah, that's what I'd like to say. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Um, I'm just, as you, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. So can I cast, finish off one more question? So I'm, if I'm mm-hmm. okay. It's quite a personal question. Is I often look at someone like, like yourself who started social worker and you find yourself actually managing these really complicated national strategies and i think eh, you, you know social worker starts with people and now you're dealing with systems and um, is that how does that feel is that do you because obviously i don't know are you working still directly with families so do you still have that kind of that one-to-one interaction how is it just an odd transition or is it just a natural progression oh, it's strange isn't it because I don't work directly with families. I work with through um, the reference group, the National Adoption Strategy Team have. I link in with adopted adults group and um, I, I visit regional adoption agencies and, and you know, speak speak to staff, et cetera, and, and, and the leads and the managers. And, but I don't work directly with families. And I, I, that isn't an element of my role anymore. Um and I guess it's just been a natural progression of work, of, of, of where I've come to. Um, and I'm aware that, yes, it is, um, you know, it's quite um, a, a, a change in gear, I guess, um, from yeah. being, you know, working with families to, you know, managing a, a team to then go into working on, on a project. But we have a really supportive team and we've got um, Sarah Jahal leading and she has kind of a lot of experience and a lot of advice and, and gives a lot of support to me and if I've got any questions and it's not just me I guess we've got well you sit on the maintainer relationships group so we've got a whole board of very mixed um, 
people within that group um, who who are also advising. We've got um, you know academic um, elements of that. Uh, who I mean, are I'm also not questioning your ability. So, yeah. I, I, was, I was thinking. Oh, oh no, I'm, I'm not questioning. I'm, I'm not like going. Are you, are you really? Up for this? You know, are you? You know, can you show do me your it, CV. Vicky? <laughs> no pressure. Are but... you good enough? <laughs> yeah. Oh, crikey. I thought, oh, that this has turned into a really dark sort of mansplaining podcast. No, um, it's all right. <laughs> do you enjoy it? Yes, I love it. I love it. I feel, I really feel, um, although I'm not working direct with the families, I really feel passionate about changing things for families and yeah. in this space and working with the individuals we do, I'm, I'm really, I'm really, um, driven, um, to, to, to really do that. Um, so that's why I'm enjoying it so much. Um, because I really feel that it is, um, making a difference is really cheesy, isn't it? I don't mean making a difference I don't, because, you know, it isn't me who makes the difference. It's the whole whole system and everybody involved in that. But I think it's a really important aspect of, of the work. I mean, that is excellent. And I think that's, yeah, I mean, that is a, just, it's a different expression of social work values, isn't it? It's, it is yeah. just different. Uh, Vicky, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything oh, I, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you, you were hoping I was going to ask? Um, I don't think so. The only other thing, because I've mentioned all the other projects, um, obviously the letter swap and the family rights group, we've got another project under the maintaining relationships and it's looking, it's called the, just let me get my email up. It's, do I get it right? It's improving adoption services for adults. Um, and that's with the UEA consultancy. So that's, um, Julia Feast, Mary Beek, Leonie Jordan and Beth Neal, who are working on that, involving people with lived experience. So I just thought I'd give that a mention as well. So if anybody listens, they think we didn't mention our project. So, yeah, there you go. So that's something else that's going on under that as well. Wow. There's an awful lot going on there. Uh, you got your hands full for sure. Um, so, Vicky, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to I look forward to seeing you in a meeting uh, on my Internet soon. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Recording stopped.